0: Coming to you live from Kudu Studios with Vian Isaac, it's Sounds About Music. Sounds About Life. How to Create a Second Album featuring Vian Isaac and guests. Hello, listener. My name is Vian Isaac, and this is Sounds About Music. I am so excited to share that this week we have Nathan E. Adamon. Nathan is a professor at Belmont University and teaches audio engineering and recording technologies. He is currently getting his doctorate in new technologies, specifically virtual reality. Nathan has spoken at TED and has worked on dozens of video and audio projects for major and independent artists. In this podcast, we discuss cryptocurrency and blockchain and how that's going to revolutionize getting artists paid we also talk about virtual reality and how that's going to impact the industry and lastly we discuss artificial intelligence and how that's going to change how we make music definitely stick around till the end for that as always if you want to listen to the full podcast join my album 2 club by going to slash sounds about music also check out nathan adam at nathaneadam.com without further ado here we go Hey, everybody, my name is Vian Isaac, and this is Sounds About Music, a podcast on how an indie artist like myself creates music in the heart of Music City. And today I have one of my mentors and one of my friends with me, Nathan Adams. So good to have you on, Nathan.
1: Dude, thanks so much for having me on here.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Nathan, uh, we go back probably almost 10 years now, eight years, eight or...
1: What year did you move to Nashville, 2012?
0: Yeah, 2012. Yeah.
1: Yep, yeah, that sounds about right.
0: Yeah, and we met. Uh, you were my professor, my audio professor at Belmont University. Yeah, But
1: Nathan. Uh, Teaching survey of recording technology. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a well, actually, plan. the first time I I performed uh, "Starlit Summer's Eve," which is a song you did. that my fans The about.
1: seven foot tall guy with an afro comes in, and he's <laughs> and he's just eager for the chance to sing or play or show you his mixes, and it's like. Yeah, man, I, I'm down to listen. That's
0: oh, that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. I actually played that recording a few weeks ago in the podcast. The, wow. Remember how we had to do like one mic in the room? Yeah, and like yeah, we still
1: do a variation on that project. Uh, yeah. Really?
0: yeah, I actually played that recording because that song has been recorded like, I don't know, like I've released like four different versions of that song. It's a great track. Yeah, thanks. And it was, yeah. it was actually uh, nominated for an Independent Music Award last year. So really? From your oh, classroom, you know, to... <laughs>
1: <laughs> to that, I'm telling this story. The podcast is happening.
0: <laughs> That's awesome.
1: So here's yet another example of a brilliant former student of mine. <laughs> I'm slowly turning on this older professor, where I can no. sound upon you guys and all the cool stuff you're doing. No, I mean I you're doing some away.
0: you're doing some amazing <laughs> stuff. So when we spoke last, I, I actually yeah. recently also watched your TEDx talk, yeah, which was huh. awesome about VR, and and you've yeah. kind of been on the front end of that at least in my circle for for the last few years. Mm-hmm. sharing new tech and inviting me over yeah. you know, to nights where we just play with new <laughs> VR technology, on, new
1: virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is so, one of my favorite things to do. Like invite people over who have no idea what they're about to experience and then blow their minds. Oh, it's like a magic show.
0: It really is. It really yeah. is. Well, I, it's
1: interesting how that's going to, you know, I mean, how some of those things are going to create whole new opportunities for songwriters. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a lot about that space and how, I heard a statistic recently that the music industry is like $18 billion a year, Mm -hmm. but mobile gaming alone is $108 billion a year last year, and all of which, of course, needs music. Mm -hmm. And so when you get to a point where, especially later this year, some of this VR tech comes out where people start to just spend more time in it, boy, there's going to be whole worlds of opportunity for creating musical soundscapes, you know? So if we can get the whole how to keep artists paid for their work, (laughs) if we can get that part sorted... Then there's just going to be so many more opportunities for great songwriters like yourself to create content and uh, and oh, create wow. great music and
0: yeah yeah new ways I mean, of experiencing music yeah every time every time you talk to me about it I just I get so many ideas and I'm sure you're talking to a bunch of people right now that that are kind of pushing the boundaries of of what's possible right now so are you are you still involved with VR
1: yeah right now I'm actually uh, trying to finish a doctoral dissertation and uh, and the route I'm going to go is how virtual reality will impact education um, and specifically as it relates to audio engineering. So i um, yeah, so I'm kind of designing some ideas and some teaching experiments and that. So I tell you, the, the stuff that's really interesting that's coming out right now is Oculus is about to release a PC-free, like a standalone headset that's going to be about the quality of what you tried probably a couple of years ago, where you're just wire-free, able to move and interact with your environment. So really, you know, even if you just have an empty room, being able to interact with sonic soundscapes or hang out with people. I mean, I think just like the idea of uh, collaborating over the internet musically was crazy a few years ago, like you're going to do that in virtual reality really soon. So uh, people already do it, but it's like, it just has to get a little easier.
0: That's awesome. I'm curious about the live application of that as well, because I remember in your TED yeah. talk, you talked about concerts and being on stage with the band, being able to buy tickets to shows where you wouldn't be able to go in, in the first place. Have, have people been doing yeah. that already? Do you know? or Well, yeah,
1: to some degree, there's been 360 video for a while now, which is not a super great experience mm-hmm. yet. It's still difficult to do well, but it's starting. To get better. And so, you know, everything from just being on stage, they've, there's been a Paul McCartney experience out for a long time now where you can be on stage and it kind of just warps you around to these different vantage points, you know, right up on the piano next to him. But I think kind of the point is that it's like music. You know, even 20 years ago, we were all just buying CDs and now it's become something we can consume 24 hours a day. So that's going to create a new opportunity, a new thing to figure out. So with that, I think it'll be kind of the same thing. An artist will need to be able to create a visual and sensory almost. Experience kind of uh, along with mm-hmm. their music. Like it's almost going to become a standard, I think, like a music wow. video. Yeah, like you're going to create an experience for somebody and the music is a big part of your experience, which is what has always interested me about you and your brother's work, actually. So I want to hear what you have been doing with this.
0: Absolutely. I mean, as as we always talked and you always shared VR with me, I immediately saw the applications for the Vian Isaac project, especially the yeah. visual stuff. A few years ago, we did something called the concert at the North Pole, where we told our fans to take selfies on Instagram and, and we had a hashtag nice. and if they, uh-huh. it was like concert at the North pole was the hashtag and every selfie, my brother painstakingly illustrated a character for that person. And we didn't think, and right. we didn't think it would be, we we figured maybe 15, 20 people and we'd have this little music. And the, the whole point was we were going to put it in a music video, all the fans, and there was going to be this illustrated concert at the North pole. I don't know. I think it was like, I don't know. I think it was like 200 or 250 people within the first, like, (laughs) within the first, like, day and a half. So then we had to, like, you didn't set limits on it, but it, it, we thought we gave it two weeks, and in the first day and a half, it was like completely. That was the year Heinz spent hunched over in a 3D modeling program, developing carpal. He was a machine because he did the whole music video in like two and a half weeks. He he drew everything. Wow. There was very limited animation, but but he uh, he pulled it off. That's yeah. So for me, the dream has always been, or the philosophy has always been that it should be a multimedia experience. And I think I learned that from live shows. You know, like live shows, it's like all your senses are engaged, but then taking that and making it part of the everyday experience or, you know, you don't have to go to a concert to do it. So I think this, this VR stuff is, is just amazing in that sense. And I think it's, I think we'll definitely implement Mm -hmm. some of it in the future. So I'll be talking to you about that when we, when we decide.
1: (laughs) Heck yeah. Well, I look forward to that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So something else I, I wanted to kind of ask you about is I feel like when I was in school and kind of more, in touch with what a bunch of people were doing. It's so funny when you're done with school, like you just sort of, especially if you work for yourself, like this is my life, you know, I'm in this room and I make music. <laughs> I'm in a studio yeah, making music. A phrase you said to me when we, when we spoke last was, you said, man, there's so much music getting made today. There's just the the supply of music is just insane compared to any time before in history. From your perspective, all the people you're talking to, your students and, mm-hmm. and other folks in the industry, How are you seeing that shift, how music is created and and kind of what the the purpose is behind music?
1: So, man, I mean, what has music been used for like all the way in human history, like to express Mm -hmm. oneself? So I think until real recently, it was pretty difficult to be a musician. Instruments were expensive. You had to take a dedicated path to choosing to do it. And most people don't stick with it, you know, long term over time. But what's happened now with digital technology is that everybody can make Mm. music and they can't all make equally, quote, good music, but they can all make music. And so I think it's going to become just kind of this more and more common expression and outlet. So I think the challenge is how do you reward people who really put intentional time into making Mm. good music? Because just like we can all drive now, in the past, you you know, a driver was a job and it was kind of an esteemed job. Well, now we can all, we all learn to drive. So musicians, kind of the same way. In the past, it was a very difficult, specific path, but that's why there was such a rare supply of music. And it, so it had a lot of value. Well, now as more and more people create it, there you go. So I think the trick is going to be, how do we use new digital payment and automation systems to make sure that people who create stuff that moves a lot of people get paid hmm. fairly? That's the, that's the whole challenge. I think it's it's pretty straightforward where spotify and stick with me on this i don't know how familiar you are with blockchain or bitcoin cryptocurrencies
0: i am actually i'm a huge huge fan of blockchain and cryptocurrency so I, I i've read a lot about it yeah
1: when when somebody creates the first successful spotify that's built on a cryptocurrency then we can all say hey you know we pay 10 bucks a month 20 bucks a month whatever the you know the dollar amount ends up being but with every play that cryptocurrency now flows down to the creators. Wow. So as you create new content and you put it on whatever this Spotify coin platform will be, then as your stuff gets used and reused and remixed, then it just it's automatic. You remove the companies, you know, all the people needing to do it. And there's there's websites that do this kind of mm-hmm. now. Uh Steemit is one that uses kind of a cryptocurrency to reward creators. So that you know it's just gonna take one finally kind of clicking, I think, with the wider musical base. But then once, you know, once your stuff can be paid for, then when you make great stuff, you'll be rewarded directly <laughs> for it. And that's how people will build livings, essentially. Really great livings. More and more people will do it uh, just by producing music.
0: I, I think I agree with you. The only thing I feel like is you would essentially have to eliminate all the middlemen to to accomplish that. So you'd have to get rid of the BMIs, the ASCAPs.
1: You're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's, that's really kind of the beauty of it. Uh, what cryptocurrency brings is this ability to re- eliminate the middleman because we're all basically working off of the same spreadsheet. <laughs> you know, and it's encrypted, so nobody else, you know, can like nobody can it, change yeah. it. But yeah, so when we put money in, then it can flow automatically via the software. Wow. So
0: have, have you heard of SongTrust? Do you know SongTrust? Uh, not specifically, no. Tell me about well, it. Well, they are a publishing administrative company that handles your publishing and their yeah. whole system implements blockchain, but because there's so many PROs that it has to grab information from, mm-hmm. they're unable to really do yeah. it all like clean, direct from streaming services to you. So they have to constantly yeah. reference PROs all around the world. So, so I guess their system keeps track of it all Via blockchain, but their goal is at least on the publishing side to kind of expand the blockchain and 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 do that. Again, I don't know how they'll be able to do that with the resistance from, you know, all the other companies. But I'd be curious to see. You know, it's
1: interesting because,
0: I think that's just
1: a problem that's rife for technology to disrupt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like really, streaming did. You no, know, yeah. we don't have. Right. Exactly. Streaming did. You know, so there's no reason that payments can't be disrupted next. (laughs) I mean, streaming and the MP3. I was there. That's right when I when I really first got into recording was suddenly this internet thing, and you know, and you could download. I could I actually downloaded a free DAW called what's what was it called doesn't even matter. Some ancient <laughs> DAW. N-Tracks. In fact, I think it's still produced. No and it looks like Pro Tools and it's just a dab But point being, we just saw, oh my gosh, this is going to change the music industry. But the music industry didn't believe it. And all the companies pushed back and they sued and then they lost. So, you know, ultimately they kind of lost control because they let Steve Jobs come in and disrupt it with a new technology. So anyway, I think payments are next and that's when it's going to really make it possible for creators like yourself to create stuff. And the more people it impacts, the more you get paid, which enables you to create greater stuff. The art will rise kind of to the top again because it'll have the biggest budget to create. Yes.
0: Yes. I think that's awesome. I feel like streaming did that to some degree as well, streaming did in some sense, I yeah, yeah, it eliminated yeah. a lot of middlemen and it democratized uh, the creation process. Because for me, I have realized a lot of major label artists are are still doing the whole album thing and they release an album every three years, you know, or every sure. four years. And that's great if you have a huge organization behind you that can push it, you right. know, to the limit for four years and still get some mileage out of it for four years. Mm-hmm. And what we Based my label off of, and then my artist project was a YouTube type system where we we would watch YouTubers release weekly content at first weekly, and then PewDiePie daily, and a bunch of people daily content, right? right? And so yeah. all of a sudden, the 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 mileage that you get out of a piece of content is is a lot shorter. But kind of that episodic sort of approach to music, mm-hmm. at least for me, is I kind of attribute that to one of the main reasons why I'm able to do music now full time because. Yeah. I released my first album over, I don't know, eight months, and yeah, each track got a chance to get playlisted. So I didn't just drop it all mm-hmm. at once. Is that something that people are doing more and more now? Are you finding that?
1: You're definitely starting to see it. I mean, I'm I'm starting to see some of this advice come out in different, um, you know, seminars on playlisting. And yeah, I think that, I mean, it really makes sense. I, I was having a, a meeting with some of the, the TEDx people the other day, and one of the guys is a digital marketer, and he's on the forefront of a lot of this. But as these new platforms come out, it really radically shifts and very suddenly how people consume content and so changes the whole demographic. So in this case, yeah, I think it's it really makes sense to continue to evolve how you distribute mm-hmm. music. Now, of course, there's still enough people basing their purchasing behavior on you know, old mm-hmm. ways of doing it. The CD just you know lasted until really recently. So anyway, I, I think for you to, if you're reaching to this kind of next generation of artists, then approaching releasing an album in a modern way Certainly, is going to continue to grow your fan yeah. base and the people that like your stuff because it does. I feel like I actually check Spotify regularly for your stuff because I always know I'm going to oh, like it. Oh,
0: That's awesome! So, man. You're so nice. It's Thanks. just like, well, it,
1: oh shoot, Vion's got a new track up. Sweet. Well, this is going to be my well, jam it's for been the a day, minute You know, so
0: it'll <laughs> it'll start again soon this summer.
1: <laughs> so, but it feel it also felt like you had different remixes yes, and stuff out. Yes. Yes. Which, uh,
0: yeah. So yeah, and that's that's a big thing as well that we learned is acoustic track, real track, mm-hmm. remix. Because then you, you get yeah. the, the acoustic fans and the acoustic playlists, you get the remix EDM people, and then you get the, the pop people. So you, you essentially yeah. start building these three disparate fan groups, you know, by, by reproducing your tracks. So,
1: You know, and I think it's interesting because that's a whole other thing where that wouldn't have made sense 10 mm-hmm. years ago. It was so expensive to get a remix done or to create something uh, that, you know, you had to have a whole separate, like, country artist do a silly country re-recording mm-hmm. of, you know, a, a pop song or vice versa. But we're able to consume more content now. I, I was given an example recently. I was, I was, uh, walked in the room and my daughters, who are three and eight, are watching YouTube on TV. And it's some silly, <laughs> it's some su- sweet and silly show where somebody's literally playing with dolls in front of an iPhone. <laughs> The production budget is is zero, <laughs> you know. There's literally that there. you can see their hands. The cu- phone must be pretty close. It's reasonably well lit, but it is just smash cut to smash cut. But my girls watch it for hours, wow. hours, and I think, what does Disney think? Right. When they're writing checks for a hundred and two hundred million dollars to produce a movie when suddenly these girls have several hours of attention a day to give, and they spend ninety percent of it watching something with nobody. Absolutely. It's just- a creator who wanted to make something that happened to have an audience of millions Christ. of little girls sitting watching this on their TV now because we can access it for more hours a day. People watch stuff on your phones. So anyway, it makes sense that you would want to now release your art in formats that appeal to a wide variety right, of people.
0: Right, but that's, that's yeah. crazy. You know, you saying that, my fiance and I, our number one show that we watch is mm-hmm. PewDiePie. We sit for hours and just watch PewDiePie. And I also pull up YouTube on my, on my TV and we just watch these 10 minute. I've never watched even one minute of PewDiePie. I need to, I guess I need to add a moment. He's so funny. He's so funny. Uh, he's, he's a great, he's just a, he's just a very (laughs) funny guy. I mean, it's pretty much, he does, he reviews memes mostly. So like, so (laughs) it's the same thing as scrolling through Facebook and looking at like funny memes, but just someone commentating Uh on memes. That's, that's pretty much what he does.
1: I need to start a similar podcast. Yeah. I want to get 35 <laughs> levels. It's just me scrolling my Facebook feed and incredulously like, are you kidding me? What did this person oh, post? Oh. It's
0: funny. It's so funny.
1: <laughs> oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I think, I think the world is moving more towards that. I think I agree. Your attention span is just not the same anymore. And it's something that really snuck up on me, at least. Like, I yeah. I woke up one day and I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm not able to... I'm not how I was 10 years ago when it comes yeah. to, like, focus. Like, I cannot focus on, for example, old movies. Um, it's h- very hard for me. And by old, I mean, like, yeah. 20 years old, like, you know, early right. 2000s, like, or the 90s. They move really exactly. slow. And it's like, wow, so my brain has really accelerated because I'm yeah. just constantly being bombarded with with new tech.
1: Yeah, it's input and stimuli from all directions. Yeah. And it's, especially yeah. with music, too. Well, and I have little kids, man, so I'm telling you, <laughs> this is, my
0: brain is bombarded
1: <laughs> I have people actively yelling at me like, Daddy, I need chocolate milk. So, you know, if it's not what the newest plug is, then it is dealing oh, with that. That's so. awesome.
0: Yeah, that, that's awesome. I was I was just gonna. You, you talked about Dawes a little a little earlier. Are you you're mm-hmm. still teaching classes on Dawes and and. I okay, am okay.
1: so I have been on the quest to build the perfect Pro Tools class for years a couple years now, and uh, and I, so I just keep taking feedback and I keep tweaking the class and I keep taking feedback and I keep tweaking the class. So it's been a lot of fun to build this system that kids really man they. They just say really nice things about this class, uh, but just they work their butts off. So, And I always give them examples uh, of people like you. I'll say, hey, listen, you might walk out of this classroom and never really want to use Pro Tools again or not use it day to day, but the skills I'm going to teach you are going to apply in every DAW anything you want to learn. Yes. And they, they come back and they tell me that's true, so I just can't build That's building
0: them. awesome because for me, probably one of the biggest takeaways from you teaching me and and from those classes and even the experiences outside of those classes, when we worked outside of class was realizing that the DAW is, is an instrument and you should, you should approach it. You can learn it. You can like, I remember shortcuts, like learning the shortcuts so that you don't have to think, you don't have to think about what you're doing. You just, you just pure creation. And the DAW is there in the background sort of, and you don't, it's all subconscious. And I can't tell you how true that has become for me. Like,
1: but you always had a gift for it. I, I remember your first Logic sessions. You would show us. It was more complicated because you had Logic Nine, <laughs> way more complicated than Logic X. But uh, yeah, they just they were always so densely layered, song wise, mix wise. You know, so you had a, a lot of skill oh, for it thanks. then. And of course, over the years, I've watched you. You know, I'm always interested to see what you're doing in Logic because it's like, how did you get that reverb? <laughs> I just had to layer three of them and slice them with another plugin. <laughs> It's yeah. But as a result, you get these really interesting and innovative oh, sounds. No, so. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that that uh, that time with you just really, really accelerated my learning with that. Are you running into more people nowadays being better at that from the start?
1: So, yeah, well, sure. Um, it's definitely changed because a lot more people have some sort of mm-hmm. thought experience a lot of the people coming in maybe 25 30% have just some garage band or or really not even that just recording voice memos or playing with something on their phone um, another chunk have Ableton live another chunk have logic and maybe a small percentage even here in Nashville come in with any pro tools experience yeah that's kind of the current state okay. of it but at the same time they also have all been youtube drained okay and, and so they've all got really bad habits oh, really? or giant holes in their knowledge oh, yeah. yeah so they'll you know they can they can produce a pretty sick sounding track, but they'll lose their vocal file because they don't understand basic file (laughs) management, you know? So, Or, you know, they'll bloat a session with so many extra overdubs that they never use that, you know, one song is 16 gigabytes. and So, you know, but like some of that stuff ends up costing them time and creativity because they don't learn the basics Mm -hmm. from YouTube. So I think that's the most interesting thing is they're coming in with some talents really well refined, but missing some others that make their life hard when they want to make that jump to professional production like okay. you've
0: done. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah. learning bad habits versus not knowing anything. Sometimes it's better just to not not yeah. know anything.
1: Or at least be able to approach it that way. And they do. And I feel like that's what I try to build with this class is kind of a structure for them to learn on. And so they can just take it and move over to Logic or Ableton. And a lot of them tell me they're better at Logic or Final mm-hmm. Cut by the AI Pro Tools class than they were before, because they've just learned how to really use a computer and navigate that without letting it get in their way
0: well that was me that was me i, yes. I, I pretty much after your class i'd never use pro tools you. again but my logic skills became <laughs>
1: <laughs> i remember crazy. you calling me with, like hey i need. i've got a set one session tomorrow with pro tools i haven't used it in two years <laughs> and what are the shortcuts for blah blah and blah
0: <laughs> what all are you working on you're you're doing your doctorate mm-hmm. you're working in vr and then you've got the walnut mm-hmm. house what are all the projects that you're working on?
1: Uh, so, yeah, so I we've owned this recording studio slash music venue down on the square in Murfreesboro for years. And it's been a bunch of different things, but it does music and events and stuff. But a project I took on last year was learning projection mapping because it's it's this huge square room with these big 4 by eight, uh, foot diffusers that look like they could be windows into another dimension. So I learned projection mapping, and I always teach my kids in class, like – I'm using the same approach to learn a totally new skill set in software, so you can definitely translate this from Pro Tools to something else. But so anyway, I've, I've dove in with that and uh, and built out this ability to kind of just completely remap the room in a click of a mouse. So so that was that's been a fun technical project. That's recently. awesome. You showed um, me you
0: showed me a video of that. That was amazing.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, you got to come down and see it in action. So it's crazy just building ideas in there because visually you can just do anything, uh-huh. you know and and change the whole surface of the of the room and so we've had fraternity that wanted to be underwater like in an aquarium so man there's just fish swimming around oh the whole gosh. the whole room and somebody else wanted outer space and a lot of uh, people just want kind of chill background scenery you know but we've got lights or videos or wow. yeah, anyway it's fun
0: wow that's yeah. awesome that's 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 super cool what, what you said about projection mapping reminded me a few a few weeks ago so my fiance is she helps me with label work you've met her Sarah she juniper Vera. yeah she's she's
1: she's awesome when my son loves her tracks <laughs> and so you guys came over and were shooting pool or VR one night and when you left he had been demoing for her <laughs> and and so he I think he played fractions or something when we were going up and we came upstairs he, Alexa played fractions I said well you know that was that was her right like the girl you just had in VR for the last hour he was like <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was starstruck because oh, awesome. like you know, one of his favorite songs, the artists were right here. They were right no, in the house. You and know. I, you know, I just didn't know. Oh, that's
0: so funny. So, that's so sweet. That's she's going to love that. But no, she, <laughs> she asked me, she was like, so she's jumping into a lot of the label promotion stuff and, and helping me out with that. Mm-hmm. And she asked me one day some question about some software or something. And, and I told her, you know what my, Professor Nathan Adam always said. He said you should always ask Google first and then come ask me and if it if it is on Google I'm just going to tell you to google it because I don't know but I know how how to how to figure it out. And I remember right. you you always saying some some version of that. For me it's really been foundational to everything because when I launched my label, I had no idea how to launch a label. I had no idea yeah. but then just kind of realizing that there's so much knowledge out there to look up. Yeah. Well, and I've used,
1: I mean, I really, that's, I think, part of it is you can learn just about anything now. And I, I'm not sure how many kids realize, realize that in a deep mm-hmm. way. I mean, they all know they've gone on YouTube to learn, you know, tricks in Fortnite, but, um, <laughs> but you can really use things like, you know, there's, there's other fairly inexpensive sites, lynda.com and, and uh, LinkedIn learning now. And, um, but sites that where you can learn this stuff and learn it really deeply. And if you do a deep dive for say 20 hours, on a topic Uh, and there's great Ted talks on this, but you can really add to your talent Mm -hmm. stack. And the thing that I try to, I have this talk with a lot of my uh, current students is that when you do that, you utilize this tool that you've got now, you can go and add all these talents. I mean, you've, I mean, here we're doing a podcast. Obviously you've had to learn how to do the Mm -hmm. video element, you know, you know, the audio element, um, but it creates new opportunities for them. So yeah, and I love seeing that with you and Sarah and learning these, new things and building what you're building. Oh, well,
0: thanks. Are there other principles that that you sort of see are key to being successful in the creative field nowadays that you try and instill yeah. on on students and folks that you meet?
1: Honestly, the talent stack is the big one. Just because... So well, the way I explain it to my students is, okay, what's your what was your first car? And, you know, so they'll say whatever their model car was. I say, now before... You had that car. Did you notice a lot of them? And most of the time, no, you didn't. But once you got their Toyota Camry, then they saw them everywhere. And I always explained, like, that's because they were were they there all the time? Well, of course they were there all the time. But your brain filtered out the opportunity. It filtered out Toyota Camrys because it determined that was not important. So as soon as they got something, then it removes the filter. And so for the students of mine that I've seen go on to be successful and build careers, you know, over time, like you and like others they have always been willing to sit down and learn something. And they don't. They know they don't have to necessarily become an expert on it. But, you know, with 20 hard invested hours of good study and effort, then a lot of times they can add enough knowledge about a topic to kind of have a working functional knowledge, especially if it's just new software or learn a new DAW, learn a new technique. Uh, it's, you know, it's just easier than ever to get good mm-hmm. at something. I mean, in the past, you would have had to seek out a master or an apprentice, you know, to do an apprentice thing to gain any of this knowledge, but that's just not the case anymore. And I think we've been trained by still a pretty antiquated school system. And I don't want to bash on it. We're doing what we can, but to like, well, no, you just wait until a teacher tells you the information. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Teacher needs to make you sit down in a chair and it needs to be kind of a painful experience. And, you know, and you have to learn it slowly and and at the pace of a bunch of other people. Yeah. But man, the ones that really want to do well, And accelerate kind of their timeline are the ones that will just kind of keep adding talents to their stack as as you do that you figure out what things you really enjoy Mm -hmm. and some of them will just kind of fade away but if i've seen one principle work out for people long term it's been (laughs) that the students that do that and the ones that learn how to connect with people oh wow you know and really invest time in connecting with other people and collaborating (laughs) everyone those kids turns out fine
0: Hello, listener. This has been the first half of Sounds About Music. If you want to listen to the second half where we discuss artificial intelligence, further keys to success, and more, go to vianisaac.com soundsaboutmusic and join my Album 2 club. You won't want to miss what we talk about, so definitely check it out. Until next week, thank you.